There are more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storton. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Well, welcome back to the Sense of Beer Style style cast um, with um, my my partner, uh, Julia, and I'm Jeremy. Hi. Um, today, we're going to talk about beer flavor or where beer flavor comes from, how to kind of be that, uh, I think of it as like being a detective. And when you taste something that may or that should or shouldn't be there, you kind of think about, okay, where did it come from? With your knowledge of brewing, with your knowledge of ingredients, and your knowledge of how things work together, it's kind of fun to taste a beer and try to deconstruct it and and kind of figure out where these flavors come from and and how they how they got there. Um, but uh, Julia, do you want to talk about uh, um, where flavors come from in the beer world? Well, sure, and it's such a big topic to. Uh... To tackle, they're coming from the ingredients and the ingredients in beer. Uh, you can talk about the 160 plus beer styles of having a variety of ingredients, but the base flavors in any beer are going to come from what occurs in most styles, right? The fermentable um, uh, barley that's been malted or grain that's been malted, the um, hops often or herbs and spices or botanicals that have been added to counterbalance the sweetness from the malt. Um, you actually have a you know, flavor, I will say, um, from the water. The mineral content from the water can also uh, you know, influence flavor as well as a multitude of, of other things. And if we remember that our flavor triangle, so flavors of fusion, uh, basic taste, aromatic compounds, and mouthfeel, water and um, hops and malt can also contribute to flavor in terms of mouthfeel, right? Those polyphenols and tannins, the grippiness. The, um, the sense of uh, what you would think of when you have a uh, wine that's uh, steeped in oak too long. Um, so that's also a, a huge component. And then if you have uh, extra um, addition of fruit, um, any types of uh, flavor coming from additional adjuncts that you use to either ferment or enhance the body. Um, and then let's remember that carbonation is also an ingredient. I will definitely get carbonic acid from um, some beers that have maybe either overcarbonated or um, for some reason, the, the carbonation wasn't, uh, the CO2 wasn't as clean as it should have been from that tank being dispensed to uh, force carbonated beer. Uh, well, let's start with, you, you kind of gave us the whole list. Let's start with the uh, the malt, the fermentables, the grains. Uh, the, the, this is the part that I particularly love because um, a lot of people say that, that you know, wine is made. You, you take the grapes, you throw them in there and that's what you get. The nice thing I love about malt and barley and, and all those grains is it has to be processed by human beings first. And so we have a tremendous amount of influence over the final flavor that comes through. And so if we, if we take barley, which has its own sense of terroir, but that will be a, a different topic for a different time. And they go through that process that we talked about of, of 
turning it into malt. But that process in and of itself is like putting bread in a toaster or even uh, coffee beans, where you can take, if if all bread and coffee beans were were equal or the you know the same bean, the amount of toasting that you do is going to change the flavor and and color along with that. Um, I find that there's a really good rule of thumb, good correlation between color and and flavor. It doesn't always hold true, but that's one of the aspects that I look at. When I look at a beer, I note the color, then I'm starting to form uh, opinions of what I think that flavor is going to be and how it's going to manifest. But we can get anywhere from that light spectrum that's like like plain water crackers, light honey, to uh, doughy bread, to bread crust. And we start getting into caramel and toffee and, and um, toasty notes. And, uh, and as you get even darker, we start talking about different kinds of chocolate, different uh, roast of coffee, different, you know, the way it, how it manifests. It's, you know, one thing is a cup of coffee is, <clears throat> is one thing and a cappuccino is another all the way to it can get just kind of almost smoky and burnt and you have all these different things. Um, but, but malt can also add flavors. Like I mentioned, um, caramel toffee, but you can also get, uh, flavors of like dark dried fruits. Um, and, and that's, and that's just dealing with barley. As soon as you start adding rye or, or, uh, oats or, um, or wheat, any other type of grains, then it's going to add a different, uh, flavor profile, a different sense of astringency, a different herbality, um, uh, and it, it takes time, takes study, takes practice to notice this stuff. But when you taste a rye beer, for example, note how it's different. If you taste a wheat beer, note how it's different. Um, one of the things I love about wheat beers, it almost gives me like a wet dough, like, you know, like I'm making pizza dough. You get this wet doughiness with a little bit of like lemon acidity in there as well. And that's a common thing that I pick up. Uh, when you start noticing these patterns, uh, throughout the color spectrum and the toasted spectrum, then that's how brewers can really start playing with the different grains, uh, the different roasts, the different, uh, providers of these grains and really create a signature flavor. Love everything you just shared. And to add to that in the forever USA today version of my brain, uh, a great trick taught to me by um, Jeremy and, and one of my kind of uh, mentors and, and guides, Ray Daniels, who created the Cicerone program, um, talks about taking a piece of bread, any bread that is mass produced, just take a, a piece of white bread out of a bag. And if you pinch the middle of that bread and taste it, you're basically tasting what it tastes like to um, uh, ingest wheat malt, right? Very floury, doughy. Then you go towards the edge of that bread where you get towards the crust. And then that's a little bit more um, advanced flavors. And when malt um, or when barley is malted, what converts it is the temperature. And those temperatures influence not just color, but also flavor. And the more heat um, given to and exposed to that, uh, that barley, the more converted the barley is, and also the more um, influence of the heat to the flavor. Uh, so that bread on the outside of it, that piece of bread, it, it got baked before it was put in the bag to go to the store to get to you. Those baked flavors are definitely more of more of the bready toasted flavors that you're going to get over that middle of the piece of bread, which is more flour and doughy like wheat malt and Pilsner malt. And then put your piece of bread in the toaster and accidentally start to burn it. 
And now you're getting towards more roasted malt flavors as opposed to the lower kilned malt flavors. And those roasted malt flavors, which Jeremy was touching upon, really do get to, to roast, to chocolate, to coffee, to dark cacao, you know, 70% plus type of flavors and acrid, even if you accidentally burn it. So think about the piece of toast and the strata of what that toast goes through. And as you influence it by heat, you're going to get more development of flavors. And that applies to a lot of the flavors we see in beer um, from the, uh, the malted grains. Yep. And, and, and to kind of take that, uh, that just one tiny little step further, uh, just to kind of plant a seed in your brain. Imagine if you were, if you're going to stick a homemade pizza in the oven and you're going to cook it for an hour or at, at 250 degrees versus 15 minutes at 500 degrees, you're going to have a different tasting pizza because just the way that it cooks. Um, so, and I, and I only mention that just to, uh, impress upon you, the listener, uh, just the complexity of, you know, here we're talking about, oh, it's just one, one ingredient, that ingredient gets very, very complex. And so it's kind of fun to think about when you taste something, think about where that flavor came from and how they made it. And, and, and we'll move on to hops at this point, but it is kind of a fun thing, at least for me. Absolutely. And continuing to ground on the, um, get grounded on the concept of flavor. Let's remember, it's not just basic taste of sweet, salty, sour, bitter, umami, yeah. Um, and whatever else is emerging, but also the aromatic compounds and mouthfeel. So anything we just talked about in malt, you will notice that in sense of aroma, as well as in the physical act of tasting some of it, but you'll notice different flavors in tasting it. Um, there's a sense of tasting malt's residual sugar. So that does try to the flavor of malt for sure. And then moving on to hops, it hops is a flower. You'll get it influenced into the beer in many different forms today. Um, it might be processed and, and, you know, brought forth into a oil, uh, form and, uh, it could be in pellet form, could be in a whole flower form, but when you are influencing hops into beer, um, you will get hops perception in tasting that finished beer in the aroma and in the flavor and aftertaste, uh, the, uh, flavor and aroma of hops will be more floral. And we'll talk about some of the flavor components of that strata in a moment. And in the taste sense of a basic taste for hop influence in beer, um, once you expose a hop to heat, you get something called isomerization of hops, and that will lend bitterness. It will extract bitterness and tannins from the hops because of that heat into then the finished flavor of the beer. So kind of remember that hops give you aroma and flavor for um, what you're used to thinking about from flowers, a form of a flower, but they also give you bitterness. Um, and they also give you tannins because there is some um, essence of, of tannins in, in the hop leaves. On the flavor side, love the buckets. Um, this is where it gets romantic and, and poetic, in my view, of what's going on with hops and, and malt. And different sources will have different buckets of how they describe the um, strata of flavors possible with hops. You know, one of my favorite references always is going to be the Oxford Companion to beer. Um, and then you've also got what Jeremy's going to reference when he talks about hops, the beer, beer flavor map. Um, you know, that was really has been from draft labs, a very essential component for a lot of judges on the beer side. Um, and then my version in studying for Master Cicerone on craftbeer.com is the uh, beer tasting sheet, because some of you are listening in uh, um, Zoom form uh, and viewing on Zoom form, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. And what you're seeing here is the tasting sheet that if you were to work your way through any beer to assess everything going on, in my view, you're going to use this as a checklist. And when I see the aroma of hops and the flavor of hops, the categories that I've listed are very, very similar. 
Um, and there, I talk about it, for example, um, for American hops is you're either uh, in the essence of the forest or the tropics. The forest for American hops can be, you know, pine, spruce, juniper types of flavors that you're going to notice from those hops. Um, or in the tropics, you're going to go towards more um, uh, uh, clementine, tangerine, you know, Florida oranges and the like. Um, and star fruit going much more to fat passion fruit. You can really get into the tropics with some of these hops. And then you have other flavors from hops um, that uh, you start always general, like I mentioned, tropics, which would be more citrus flavors, but then name those flavors. Um, fruity, uh, particularly with esters and hops. You could get essence of strawberries. You could get essence of apricot. You could get essence of peaches. So I started broad with fruity, but then I get more specific with names of what I'm getting from those hops. The floral side of hops definitely can take you to flowers of jasmine and the, you know, the, the reminiscence of what people will wear for perfume essence. Um, and that will bring some, uh, be brought forth from some hop flavor and aroma uh, addition. And you've got also too going to the onion and garlic side of things, which many people are very sensitive to, can also indicate sometimes that the hops sat on the vine too long um, and it weren't, weren't harvested on time. Um, and these are just some categories that you then work your way to the specifics. Um, sweaty is definitely a, um, you know, isovaleric is the, is the off flavor term or the flavor component term. And that certainly can be noticed um, in some beers that uh, had aged hops used that then developed that um, flavor component. Uh, many Belgian beers, we use aged hops that are aged four years or longer, you know, up on the top of the barn where it's very, very hot um, just for the bittering components. But if they don't overage them properly, meaning overage past their prime, then you're going to carry over some unintended flavors from those aged hops that you don't want to get. I can go on and on on this topic, but I will toss it to Jeremy to round things out. Yeah. You know, one of the things, um, of course, we live in a day uh, where everything is complex and we're we're making uh, hops, uh, new hops all the time, cultivating new hops all the time. But once upon a time, you could differentiate the styles uh, based upon their hops and get a good sense of character, uh, of regional character. And I always think about um, like a, a German and Czech hops, for example, always reminded me of a garden. You have herbs, you have flowers, you have a pepper tree and maybe some berries um, kind of off in the distance. Uh, you go to uh, England and you have um, wet earth, you have uh, black tea, you have orange marmalade, uh, and you have some uh, some stone uh, uh, walls along the way. And, and that kind of typifies uh, the, the classic British hops. When you come to America, what really defined America was the forest and grapefruit. We loved our pine tree and our grapefruit zest. Um, and eventually it emerged that it turns out the whole world is, is in love with the tropics because now we have kiwi fruit, star fruit, mango, papaya, pineapple, and that's kind of taken over. And, and so these are great ways to think about if you taste some of these flavors coming from your hops, then there's a good way to deconstruct that and start thinking, well, this might be a, a Germanic type of hop or a British type of hop or something like that. Um, it, it's in these days, now we have noble hops uh, like Mount Hood from America is actually reminiscent of Hollertau. So it's, so we've, we've done a lot of um, intermingling of the flavors, but, uh, but, but thinking about the flavor is really the point of all the stuff and getting the sense of beer style, pun intended. Um, oh, and I, I guess I'm up to talk about fermentation. Um, this is yeah. another thing, man, we could have an entire 
four hour long podcast just talking about fermentation, but um, the we've already talked about where yeast comes from and how to find it. But the but it, yeast are little single celled uh, critters uh, related to fungus that manifest in their own way. They have their own character. They have their own personality. If you talk to anyone who works at at some of these yeast companies and and they can tell you, they can look at the like the slide and say, oh, that looks like such and such because the way it behaves. It's a it's an interesting phenomenon. When it comes to when it comes to f- uh, uh, flavor, you can think about um, typically um, American versions of yeast tend to be pretty clean. Lagers, uh, lager type yeast tends to be pretty clean. Um, British yeast tends to uh, tends to put out a lot of esters, um, British, or I'm sorry, not British, a uh, Belgian type of yeast tends to put out lots of different phenols. And, and so you start getting character coming through the, the phenols from Belgium, um, you typically can be, uh, well, an ester would be like bubble gum, but it could be maybe a little bit of clove, maybe a little bit of earth, maybe a little like allspice are some of the things that I taste. Um, but the the fermentation of that you'll you'll get the esters the fruity flavors the phenols the the there it's not smoky but it's just it it's easy to describe them as like the smoky spicy uh, characters, um, uh, and so when you start tasting the stuff and you start uh, understanding where these yeasts come from and how they manifest then that's how you can start thinking well we may have brewed this right around the corner but it's in the style of Belgium. It's in the style of England because they're using yeast that manifest in certain ways. And that's, that's how it was hundreds of years ago. Um, one of the things we did talk about unintended flavors. One of the things, if you ever taste a beer, this is one of the things I love. Um, it's pretty rare, but I have tasted a few times. If you ever taste a beer and you automatically, automatically feel like you're eating beef jerky in a tire store, that is called autolysis. That is where the yeast has effectively died and spilled its guts, and and and, uh, and the uh, the aftermath is like beef jerky in a tire store. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, you just brought me to the tire store where I'm waiting three <laughs> hours to get my tires changed, and the vending machine has really old food in it. Yes. Yeah, please. that is autolysis. That is that is a uh, yeast has gone bad. Thank you for listening to Essential Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia, and me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.